This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Been, Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Well, it is Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com as well. Brock, what a weekend, man. What a weekend. We'll get to the Seahawks. we got a lot there today. We'll do takeaways at 8.30. we got our most intriguing Seahawk at 8 o'clock today. It's a big one. And then uh, back to baseball in the 9 o'clock hour with Cal Raleigh going to join us at 9.30. But, oh, my gosh, what an unbelievable weekend. That's called hashtag winning, Salk. You like that? Is that what you it's like called? like that? It's called hashtag winning. Yeah, I feel like Kirk Cousins right now. You like that? Yeah. Yes, walking down the hallway. That's what Scott Service and Jerry DePoto, I'm sure, are doing at times to some folks out there. Yours truly, that maybe was a little emotional, mm. was a little irrational every once in a while. I didn't call for any heads. Let's be clear. No, I wasn't that idiotic, uh, that crazy, that wild. There were people around that did. Yeah, there were a lot of frustrated people, but I can only imagine as Scott jumped in and in <laughs> Shannon's interview, yeah. that that's part of what he was thinking. I could see him wearing Kirk Cousins' chains Should be. onto the airplane to Chicago last night. Like, you like that? How do you like that winning? You like that? I mentioned uh, about 20 minutes ago that, you know, I'm just in the issue, in the, in the interest of transparency, I'm yes. working real hard at not being a jerk right now. Good. I'm Good. working real that. hard. Because and it's I, baseball, so. Well, and that's my number one reason why. So I asked the <laughs> yes. question here, Brock. What is the biggest reason the Mariners have been a different team since July 1st? And people are going to hate my number one answer. I, know. I hated it two weeks ago. My, But it's still I true. I hate it even worse now. I bet you do. <laughs> I do. My number one reason is that it's just baseball. Yes. Baseball's baseball. They've been getting big hits at the right times instead of the wrong times. Right, it's a weird game. It's different from every other sport. It has no clock. It is two to ten. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time. What do you say? It has no clock. Well, it has no clock in terms of how long the game can go. Oh, okay. It has no it game has clock. clock. I know, okay. but it has no game clock. Yes. It's two to ten times as long of a season as any other sport. It has more failure amid the success than any other sport. It relies on process more than results. It makes it hard to discuss this game. It's hard to react to this game. And it's hard to predict this game, especially hard to use whatever is happening in front of you, the immediate evidence, to predict what is going to happen next. So my number one reason why the Mariners are better now than they were before July 1st has nothing to do with the people, nothing to do with, you know, one. It's just baseball. Yeah. And sometimes that happens in this game. I'm going to imagine there's uh, there's folks on the text line last hour as you started kind of to have that conversation and are right now that are going to load it up with all sorts of different reasons. That, well, there are that, other well, ones. I have other reasons. I'm not going to okay. tell you that's the only reason. But if you yeah. want the biggest reason, honestly, I think it's that. Hmm. After that, I mean, look, you got Julio since June 30th. He's raised his OPS from 710 to about 800. That's yeah. insane. He's raised his batting average from 238 to 278. I mean, like, this team is going to go as Julio does, and he's been ridiculous since then. I think you can point to Scott's culture, Brock, the management, the depth, the pacing, the bullpen. Everything Scott has done has mm-hmm. absolutely been relevant. I think you can point to the other core players, although it's funny when you look at it. Other than JP, like, Gino's raised his OPS during that time by about 40 points. France dropped his OPS during the same stretch by about the same amount. Mm-hmm. Teo's actually down a tick. 
from where he was on June 30th. JP is up like 86 points, which is huge. But, you know, is the core being better? Yeah. They've been better, I think, on on whole. The bench has been reshuffled, and Marlowe and Cabby got hot again, and Canzone and Rojas and Dylan Moore. Those guys have absolutely made a difference. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think there's a bunch of ways that, that, you know, things that will factor in. But I don't know that any of them has been more impactful or, or has a bigger cause than just this is the game of baseball, and it's got yeah. its ups and downs. Yeah, let me hear us uh, cut four from Scott yesterday, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, this was in yeah. Houston after a series sw- sweep, because I think I'm going to start here. I think I'm going to land here. I think I'm going to add Julio to what Scott said here, because this has been the one thing through a 69 and 55 high water mark that's been consistent all year long. For me, this series is about pitching. You know, as crazy as that is, got to shut down that lineup over there, and Again, our bullpen from Brash earlier in the game. And, you know, when you lose your starter like that, there's so many decisions. You start mapping it out. Where are we going to go? How do you go? I just know that, you know, at, at some point, one of these guys that have pitched the back end are going to have to pitch earlier in the game. And, and Matt Brash did an outstanding job today to hold it right there, kind of calm the game down. And then we got into some of our other guys. So um, it, it's exciting. Exciting for uh, watch our club go through what they did today. I mean, I, I could sub in a few things there. Uh, 124 games in Salk, they've had to make a bunch of pitching adjustments. I mean, look at all of the guys. Mm-hmm. When we were down there in Arizona and that team left time and again, Jerry and Scott would say to us, hey, this is our team now. This is not going to be our complete team. Certainly knowing that Dylan was going to come and, and that they had some waves of young pitching waiting down there in beautiful Arkansas to make their trip to Seattle. But kind of like yesterday in the second inning when Emerson goes down, that's kind of like Robbie Ray going down in this first start that all of a sudden there's a lot of pitching decisions we got to make yeah. there's Scott a lot did a of things great job yesterday oh my gosh he did a great job yesterday but over the course of 124 salt yeah, that but, is but, what has been Brock, consistent you, it has that's but, not that's not been just baseball but that that's doesn't been, answer the question why have they been better since july 1st the pitching was fi- great before july 1st because they finally complimented and were the team as jeff, jeff passan has said to us i don't know three times since then with a broke back like, this is finally the team that's added the offense right. that they were supposed to add, starting with Julio, who on July 1st was hitting 238, as you said, with a 7 So your answer is Julio. My answer is pitching and right pitching. next to him. The pitching's been the same. What's been the question is what is the biggest reason the Mariners have been a different team since July 1st? Oh, Julio. Period. Okay. End of story. Julio. <laughs> I, like, I think we're getting confused on the questionnaire. It can't be pitching because it's been that good all year Julio long. Julio Gulio. That's who. Julio Gulio. <laughs> yes. So Julio is your reason. Where are uh, you no on the Gatorade kick? Because there is a lot of folks on the text machine in my Twitter feed saying it was Kelnick kicking the Gatorade bucket, and that's what has led to this. Uh, here's what. Here, You know what? I'm not discounting it, mm-hmm. but not for the same reason that I think a lot of people are saying it. I've seen a lot of people speculating on Jared's personality and the clubhouse and this and that. I don't think that has anything to do with it at all. And I think getting him back will be great. But I do think that maybe some I said it that day, maybe the adversity has helped them a little bit kind of come together and find a way. Dude was their best hitter for a big portion of this season. Mm-hmm. And when he went out, they found a way to kind of get it going without him. 
Yeah, I, I mean that that number is pretty startling because it was right around then as well. But I, I am think with that's you. More coincidence than I, it is I causation. Do. But, I do, you know. but I, I I would say the actual absence of Colton and AJ and just finally after I don't know three hundred and fifty some at bats that those guys yeah. got that you cleared a path for others. The Dylan want to look at some OPS numbers. Look, look at Dylan his first you know thirty forty at bats to what he is doing now. I mean it is it is night and day. Yep. And that was injury. That wasn't just Colton and, and AJ blocking him, but he was supposed to be platooning from day one with Colton Wong. And maybe it would have been a, a little different story. And AJ was supposed to be platooning, and that never happened. I, so I, I guess I think what's interesting, Brock, because the bench is an interesting part of this, right? And I, I have that on my, my list of top five reasons they've been playing better. What's interesting to me about the bench is that it's still designed similarly to how it was designed at the beginning of the year. The guys there are playing better, but the design of the team at its core. A little more athletic. It is a little bit more athletic. A little more athletic right now. I would agree with that. A little younger, a little more bounce, a little more. But but in terms of the types of players, it's not like they went out and got themselves an extra 30 home run hitter or something like that. It's not like they went out and and signed themselves somebody in the, you know, Corey Seager, Trey Turner. They didn't do anything like that. They didn't go out and get a Chris Bryant or a Cody Bellinger or a former MVP. They got other bench guys. Yeah, the they elevated guys, they Mike Ford. Better. Yep, Mike Ford brought a little power for you know a, a good month. There was yep. incredible. They brought a little bit more speed. They just brought a you know I think ultimately you know and this is what winning does. Ultimately, they needed to kick in the pants of confidence to show that you can be this team. The heavy burden of expectation in April and May and June, the underperformance of some of those veteran pieces that aren't there, and certainly your biggest superstar who yeah. showed over the weekend and over the last five days. Yeah, remember my name because I am one of the biggest stars in this. Do you game. know what their pace is right now in terms of wins? I looked Nin- it up yesterday. Ninety-two. Ninety. Ninety. <laughs> right on the button. <laughs> exactly what they have been the last two years. Uh, Ninety win team. If the season uh, were to go exactly as it's been so far. They are on pace for 90 wins. They are right back where they've been, but with a uh, bunch of a bunch of games coming up here against teams they should beat: Chicago, the Mets, uh, Kansas City, Oakland. I think Oakland. This is a pretty good stretch for the Mariners to do a little damage. We'll come right back, give you everything you need to know, including some highlights from a heck of a football game on Saturday night. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on seven ten. need to know 15 minutes past every hour with brock and salk here's what you need to know up first brock how many times do we hope that the mariners just wouldn't get swept in houston only to watch them do exactly that well not this time man a three-game sweep of the astros and it was a lot more fun the series kind of had everything a wonderfully pitched gem from bryce miller on friday a scoring barrage on saturday a couple home runs from dylan moore another one from sam haggerty the benches emptied in that one as well after jose caballero of course was in the middle of everything and then yesterday just a bizarre one six runs in the first three innings it looked like it was going to be a romp and then emerson hancock had to leave the game with the shoulder injury and everything got crazy from there eventually though they got it done here's the stretch one, two to Singleton, swing and a high fly ball center field. Julio Rodriguez underneath it. He's there. He 
makes the catch, and the Mariners hang on and win it. Seven to six, they sweep aside the Astros here in Houston in this three-game series. Right now, the Mariners are just a half game back behind Houston in the American League West. How about that? Gabe Spire getting the last three out. Scott used his bullpen, I thought, very well in that game. And you know what? A lot of people were taking shots at their hitting coaches earlier this year. Why aren't they being coached correctly? Mm-hmm. Tell you what, those same hitting coaches have these guys doing a heck of a job right now. Well, I, I think, you know, you got to ride their momentum. And when you're going good and some balls are falling in, they're also hitting some balls very hard. And, um, you know, I often talk to our guys about be greedy. You know, you get one hit, you get two hit. Go have a great day. And that's what our guys are doing. They're not giving away at-bats. That's really what's standing out for me. And we play so many close games. All those at-bats are important. Um, so credit to our players, again. Uh, you know, It's nice. Those hitting coaches are finally coaching, hmm. Brock. Passing that baton, man, one by one, making free throws, whatever you want to see, putting birdies, seeing the, seeing the ball go in the hole. Whatever way you want to characterize their offense right now, it is rolling. It is one of the league's best. The op- the pitching, well, it, it has been there since day one, and now you complement it with your greatest star. And that's another Mike Hewardism. You know, not only do winners win in the end, but, you know, when the lights are the brightest, mm-hmm. your best and most talented people have to be at their best. Well, and, we're going to get to Julio whoo. in the third need to know because he yeah. deserves his own. The sweep uh, puts oh. them three behind Texas, who have now lost four straight. They're only half a game behind Houston, a half game up on mm. Toronto, and they'll head to Chicago for the first of three tonight. Here's the second thing you need to know. Some good, some bad, Brock, but most importantly, no major injuries. Let's start there with Saturday night's preseason game. The Seahawks survive without losing any prime contributors, and they did get a couple series with the starting offense, including Geno Smith, who was 5 of 6 for 46 yards, had a really nice throw to Jake Bobo early, which was kind of exciting. And then Jackson Smith and Jigbo once again, one of the big stars. Second down and three at the 49, play fake. Lock stops, hits his back foot, he's going to throw. He's got Smith and Jigba down to the 15, 10, 5, and down to the 2, to the 1 yard line before he's tripped up. What a throw, what a catch. Dude, JSN's so fun. Oh, how badly did he want to get in that end zone? Not badly enough, obviously. Oh, man. Oh, man, let's go. Run through that thing. Chipotle weighed him down, dude. Drew saw him at Chipotle. A little (laughs) pregame Chipotle, unfortunately, and the beans slowed him down a little bit. But that was was a dime. You're absolutely right. The sluggo to Bobo was awesome. Once again, the scene. I mean, as you flip around and you watch a lot of these preseason games, and there was a ton of them from beginning to end on Saturday, there's just not many places like Lumen Field where they are just so psyched and so excited to watch these young people. And the young people continue to deliver. Charbonnet delivers. Bobo delivers. Boye Mafe delivers. And unfortunately, Drew Locke was playing his best as a Seahawk before he gets banged up with a little knee injury. Something to watch as they'll hit the practice field yeah. tomorrow. Some really good stuff, obviously. And then the other side of it, and I'm anxious to ask you more about it, was the some of the defense, especially the run defense early. They were getting pushed back quite a bit. Mike Jackson had another tough night. So we will uh, discuss in more depth coming up. Here's the third thing you need to know. Julio deserves his own spot here, Brock, because what he's done over the course of the last week is just insane. Grant's ready, and the right-handers 2-1 pitch. Swing and a line drive over the head of Altuve at second into right center field for another base hit. 
Julio Rodriguez, nine hits in his last nine at-bats, ties a Mariner Club record. That was uh, on Friday. It continued on Saturday. He ended up with 17 hits in four games with five stolen bases. Nobody has ever done that before. No one's ever seen anything like it before. <laughs> There's anything like it, obviously. Nobody in the history of Major League Baseball has ever seen anything like it. But uh, what can you say? Julio is uh, just smoking hot right now, and uh, it's fun to watch. Every time up there, he expects to get a hit. We expect to watch him get a hit. Um, and what he's doing on the bases, uh, everything else is fantastic. Remember when Nelson Cruz would go into one of those stretches for like a week or two mm-hmm. where the ball looked like a beach ball? You know, we used to have when Damon and I played very competitive wiffle ball in the backyard. You know, him being three years older, there were times that I got to use the big red bat, the big fat red oh, bat. Yeah. And he had to use the really skinny, skinny pencil bat, you know, to try to even it out a little bit. It is as if Julio is going up there with that big red wiffle bat and everything he is hitting, hit, you know, seeing he is hitting. And yeah, I think there's a little something about Houston. Right, I mean, those are defending World Series champs. That's that's the team that's been in your division, kind of stomping on you. And right now, you've won eight of ten, six of seven in their ballpark. They're Remember, they took three of four, jerks. nearly swept them. They're also jerks, man. Maldonado getting all mad, and what was Dusty Frammer mad Valdez, about? Dusty, like, sit you down, seriously. Dusty. You sit down. Take your toothpick out of your mouth before you get into a fight. You're liable to hurt your gums. Your dentist would not be happy. J.P. Crawford going to return from the concussion IL tonight in Chicago. That'll necessitate a roster spot. A couple ways you could do it. I would assume they'll want the extra pitcher, especially after everything that happened last night or yesterday with the bullpen. So when Hancock goes to the IL, I guess you can bring up two relievers and then bring one back. I don't know. It's going to be confusing. But uh, eventually, I would expect Sam Haggerty will probably be sent down in order to make room for J.P. Crawford. That is everything you need to know. We do a quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Yeah, what is Dusty's deal? I don't know. He he ticked me off. That doesn't take much. Well, <laughs> you know, maybe during this time of year, you know, football's getting going. The juices are flowing are you a little in your bit. Horse stance? I was just like, what, what are you yelling at? Sit down, old man. Sit down. It really was bizarre. I know Caballero gets under their skin, but I, yes. I thought it was a complete lack of composure shown by the Astros, and I thought they kind of embarrassed well, themselves. You know, after bowl, you know, you know what happens to a bully when he gets punched in the face? That, yep. That's what's happening. This bully has been punching the Mariners for year after year after year, and in particular in a playoff series last year, and I think the Mariners, <laughs> kind of like the Seahawks when they made that turn with the 49ers some years ago, punch them right back in the face. And we're not going to just take it. And we're going to superstar. And we got pitchers. And we got little nuisances that you're going to have to deal with. And if we thought Bregman was a nuisance. <laughs> what do they think Caballero? of Caballero? Oh, my God. I'll tell you what. If Caballero is half the player Bregman turns out to be, I think we'll all be pretty darn happy when it's said and done. Uh, all right, Brock. Blue 88 coming up in 20 minutes. We've got to focus a little bit on this Seahawks game. i got to know what was going on with the defensive line and some of the issues that they had and then some of the unbelievable performances we saw. So we'll do that coming up in 20 minutes after five rapid-fire Mariner questions, Ooh. all of which are pretty good debates. They're next on Brock and Salk. When you're running the hurry up and don't have time for your favorite Seattle sports show, listen to the podcast on demand. How about that? Unbelievable. What a thought. Every hour, every interview, every look behind the scenes. It's Geno Smith. Competition brings out the best in everybody. Jerry DePoto. This is the most talented group of pitchers that we've ever had. Find us on seattlesports.com, the Seattle Sports app, or wherever you get podcasts. Oh, it's fun. It changes everything. Never miss a minute of Seattle sports. Your home for the Seahawks and Mariners. 
Hey, Brock Heward here. Look, if you have chronic pain, I'm, I'm not talking about the back pain that I had driving 20-some hours over the last couple of days. I'm talking chronic, life-changing pain. Then you got to consider making the call to my buddy, Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD, with Eastside Pain and Regenerative Medicine over there in Kirkland. He is Washington's leading specialist in interventional pain medicine for over 30 years. Yeah, I said it, 30 years. Not five, not 10, 30 years. Dr. Nelson has helped thousands of people dramatically reduce or even eliminate their chronic pain using interventional pain and regenerative medicine techniques. He is one of the very few physicians in all of Washington State with that kind of experience and training to diagnose and treat all different types of pain using a wide range of minimally invasive therapies, yes, including stem cell therapy and outpatient procedure these days using your body's own natural healing processes to uh, to, to heal and rebuild damaged tissue, heal those injuries, and eliminate the, that chronic pain. So don't let pain stop you from doing what you love. Call Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD today at 425-823-4000. That's 425-823-4000 or visit DanielNelsonMD.com. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, we got some rapid-fire Mariner questions, Brock, which we will buzz through right now before Blue 88 in 15 minutes. we got a lot of football questions for you, and then the 8 o'clock hour is going to be some hardcore football mm. before Cal Raleigh joins us at 9.30. Mm. So mm. a lot going on this morning, a ton, uh, just a great sports weekend here in Seattle. Hey, despite am I smelling something, too? The smoke. Yeah, yeah. There's bad. a little bit of that. It's been am bad. I, am I? Do I smell an opportunity that we may be going out to watch a little practice together this week? Yeah, and, I'm going tomorrow. Are you coming? To, are you coming to practice yeah. tomorrow? Yeah. Well, guess what? Yeah. Not just. Well, I can't even. Tell, I should. I okay. shouldn't even. Tell, I'll, I'll tell you later. It's going to okay. be. Uh, you're going to love practice oh, tomorrow. Awesome. I promise. Right now, though, let me uh, hit you with some seat with some Mariners. Uh, rapid fire questions. I'll start with this one. J.P. Crawford going to return tonight. Where do you hit him? Does he jump right back into the leadoff spot or do you leave Julio there since he's obviously been on fire and you don't want to touch it and what have Crawford soft landing hit ninth or something like that, or maybe even hit right after Julio. What do yeah. you, what is, what does that look like for you tonight? Yeah, I, I think I hit him lead off. I think I put him right back there. I think he was part of the reason that setting the table in this whole month. I think he's been your MVP over the course of the season. I mean, it's hard to say that now that Julio's on the stretch he's on and said an all-time, by the way, an all-time MLB record with 17 hits. Over a million views there of that Mariners tweet over the weekend. Pretty amazing stuff. But, I, yeah, I think I hit him first. You? I do, too. Yeah, I was asked that question yesterday, and I, I thought about it a little bit. I do understand the logic behind the opposite. Like, hey, give him a soft landing. You don't know what he's going to look like after a week or so off. Let him hit ninth. Everything's working well. Why mess with success? I just think the lineup functions better with Julio hitting second. And I, I like having somebody in front of him getting on base and more mm-hmm. RBI opportunities. Obviously, the bottom of the lineup has done its thing, so that hasn't been a problem. But, yeah, I'm with you. I would like to see JP immediately right back into the leadoff spot. All right, well, then who do you send down when JP is activated? Maybe mm-hmm. not today because you might need to kind of move some things around with your bullpen after everybody got beat up a little bit yesterday. But by the time Wu is back and ready, who is the roster spot? Who do you use to clear it for JP? Does does Mike Ford have options still? No. 
Oh, I know. Makes it difficult. It makes it a little harder because yes. that's probably the direction you'd want to go. If he had options, I think I'd like to send him down and get him uh, to play in every day and get that back going and get that rhythm going. I know there was a while that it, there was talk of just kind of this toe tap, and he's found you know a little something within the timing and mechanism, but. Numbers have been really rough other than that home run the other night. Mm -hmm. The numbers and the power and all of that have been pretty rough. But without options, you know, and what that means for folks that that hear that is he's got to be designated for assignment. Anybody then can pick him up, correct? Yes. So yeah. I'm probably not doing that, but there probably are some Haggerty, other choices. Then. Haggerty's the sort of the the natural answer, but I'll throw out a couple other names just in case. Uh, would you think about sending down either Canzone or Marlowe since they are somewhat redundant of each other at the moment? I don't think so. You're going to get whoever it is back in 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh yeah, I don't. I kind of, kind of like both of their levels of athleticism. And Hagerty steals bases too. Talk about redundant. They're all kind of the same. Just tremendous athlete. The first two maybe with a little more power, not maybe yeah, more but power. Hagerty's going to give you a little bit more flexibility, uh, flexibility position wise. Andy's a switch hitter. I don't know. I, I I think Haggerty's still probably the answer. You've survived pretty well without him for most of this year. But I do think it's at least warrant a, a conversation. You're right. If there was. If if the options were there, Mike Ford would probably be the choice. Without it, probably going to be Haggerty, but we'll see. So I think then, Mr. Canzone felt a little of that. I mean, he's smart enough to know what's coming yes. too, and I might might as well get four hits. <laughs> might might not be a better time for me to lace a couple doubles and put four hits on the board than maybe a time where they've got to make a decision or yeah, two. Yeah, and good for him, man. When he's yes. hitting, he's pretty fun to watch. I mean, he's he's I'm excited about what the future looks like for Canzone, and obviously Marlowe has has played a huge role. I got to give him credit, by the way, because I I was a little nervous about his defense in the first few games where he did not look great. He looked tentative. He looked a little mm-hmm. nervous, stabbing at the ball. He played some wonderful defense over the weekend. Was it Saturday where he made two really tremendous catches uh, coming in on the ball and, and just taking it right off the shoe tops? He had a really, really good weekend. So uh, I want to throw some love his way as well. All right. Well, since I'm doing these rapid-fire questions, and since they all so far have had to do with uh, the roster, let me ask you another one. September call-ups, not what they used to be. Right? September call. You don't get 40 anymore the way you used to. You get to add two guys. That's it. Roster only expands now by two. And if I know anything about the Mariners, one of those two is probably going to be another pitcher because Mm -hmm. they always seem to want that. Otherwise, this gets to be a little bit easier. But when Kelnick comes back. Correct. Assuming that, you know, now now what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There, you just added uh, a bit of redundancy <laughs> because now you got Kelnick and Canzone and Marlowe, who are Correct. all left-handed hitting corner outfielders. Correct. What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Now maybe this works itself out. Maybe at that point you do say goodbye to Mike Ford because Kelnick is also somewhat redundant for Ford with sort of the mm-hmm. good quality left-handed at bat, etc. But at that point, is that when you're moving on from Ford, or are you still just going without Haggerty or Kinzone or somebody down the stretch? Yeah, I think the beauty is you've got a couple weeks here or 10 days or so, and against some of the opponents you are going to face with some pitching that you should eat up a little bit, and you're going to get a chance to see Marlowe and Kinzone and these guys continue to do what they're capable there, of doing or maybe people, slow down a little. There will be people, whether it's uh, you know online or here in the text, who will say... Don't mess it up. Yeah, why even bring Kelnick back? Yeah. 
Are you in that camp? Uh, I'm not, but he has also got to get back into rhythm. I mean, we saw with the Dylan Moore injury how long that seemed to take when yep. you miss spring training and come back and there's some stops and there's some starts. I mean, this is not a J.P. Crawford one week and a rehab start in, in Everett. Oh, this is a month and a half. Correct. This is a full six weeks in the course of a, of a season where all of these guys are staying within their rhythm. So I'm going to guess that will be an extended uh, rehab for Jared. Right where you're not all of a sudden he's clear and he's healthy and he's off the pup list. He's going to play. No, you're going to go and you're going to get a week or two of at bats and see just where your timing is and where yep. your game yeah, is. Here you go. Four, two, five. Drop Kelnick. Team's been great without him. I knew those were coming. I yeah. don't think you'd do that. He's been a heck of a player at times this year. He provides some pop and I don't think they're going to go in that direction. His defense, his base running, all the things he's brought I to the table. I think people need to hear. Good. I mean, I, I can understand from afar, Salk at times. Like, I totally understand when all you get is the television copy right and you're watching and you're seeing a grumpy bear right i mean he is he's the grumpiest bear of them all and you know he goes and kicks the can like i can understand where if you don't maybe have some of that inside background you could see like yeah man he's just a disgruntled angry employee because some of you out there work <laughs> you know with teachers and mm-hmm. and salespeople and in stores and that yeah man i don't like that guy that guy is just a or that woman is just a grumpy angry mad person and sometimes that's what the images show of jared i think you do have to understand behind the scenes i'm not going to say revered but he is so respected by his teammates because that's him that's not a show he's not like oh i'm happy go lucky guy and let me just be angry and mad and put on a show like he is intense and works his butt off Mm -hmm. so i i'm not going to hate on those that have that perception from afar but I do think from the inside, as we have seen, as we have heard, those that are around the team, he's very respected by his peers because of how much it means to him. What have you learned about the ninth inning after another weekend full of information? I mean, last week we were having a whole conversation about this, and maybe they're screwed now in the ninth, and that, you know, it's different from everything else. Yeah. They got through the ninth inning without a problem this weekend. Munoz made it a little interesting on Friday, uh, but then got it done. Brash Mm -hmm. got through a couple of his saves without a problem. Spire did it yesterday. How do you feel about the ninth inning as of this morning? Yeah, you've obviously got to feel better. I mean, that's why I think, you know, Jerry used that word judgy. Like, we got to be careful just being totally judgy with, with one week out and guys in new roles and Mooney being pretty tired and used a lot. So let's get him a couple days rest and let's give Brash an opportunity to, you know, do this a few times. And, and then, you know, yesterday was a perfect example. This was their pockets mentality. We don't say Mooney to the, to the ninth. We're not going to put Spire out there in the eighth or somebody else in the eighth. No. When it's Altuve and Bregman and their guys, it is going to be our guy, our right-hander Mooney against him. Mm-hmm. And then the ninth, you know, when it's Alvarez and the monster that he is, we're going to put our lefty out there, and he's going to have to deal with that. So in that way, it kind of set up well yesterday with the eighth and ninth. But overall, uh, over the last three, four, five days, yeah, Brass a little more comfortable. Muni, Muni getting a little bit of a rest. It's going to be important here down the stretch, and you feel a little like, bit better about I it now. I like Muni. It makes yeah, it sound Muni. like a golf course. Yeah, not Muni. Muni. Yeah, Andre's, Muni, Andre's <laughs> Muni. Yeah, hey, you, yeah if, you, if you got time, it's only 35 bucks. You head over there after work. What is you your favorite Muni? You probably get in a quick 18 at Andre's Muni. What is your favorite Muni? My favorite Muni? Your favorite Muni. 866-979-3776. 866-979-3776. Let me know in the text. Mine is Favorite? Is it really? Yeah. 
I like that. That's a fun little course. You play there? Is Shriners considered a muni? No, it's not. No, it's I don't not. think you can consider, No. I mean, it's short, but I don't think you could call it a muni. No. Is, it, is that a not? Well, I guess Chambers. Isn't Chambers a muni? Yeah. yeah. I guess my favorite would be Chambers. That seems fairly <laughs> obvious. I'll be there on Friday, as Chambers, a matter of fact. W muni. Chambers, I'm looking forward w to muni. it. Chambers. Uh, I want to get to uh, one more rapid okay. fire. Before I do, I just happened to see this uh, this tweet here, and I thought I would mention it to you. The Tampa Bay Rays. This comes from somebody named Jage. The Tampa Bay Rays, to start this year, Brock, went 32-12 and 12 over their first 44 games of the season. The baseball world was on fire, praising the Rays. Yep. The Mariners, over their last 44, 31-13. and 13. Yep. Pretty crazy. Yep. I don't know whether it's generated quite the same level of fire that the uh, Rays did when they started the season that way, but yeah. kind of interesting. I mean, you can kind of spin those numbers. I think it was also Tampa was like 20 and two. They were. I mean, it, that, it, that kind of. But it's just sort of interesting that, you know, you look at the, yeah, yeah. they were ridiculous to start, but baseball's funny, man. You go it up, is. you go down, et cetera. Yes, All right, last uh, rapid fire question here before we get to Blue 88. Do you think Valdez was throwing a Caballero? Yes, 100%. You're, you're sure of it? I, I feel real sure of it. That guy's command and that guy's control, and he wanted to make sure he got hit, and he threw that a, f- a foot inside at his shins. Y- yeah, and he didn't throw at his chin, right, which is probably why Dusty and his toothpick were all mad. Like, hey, if we were going to throw at you, we at least threw your foot. Why don't you shut up, you, right. know, you young – so maybe that's why Dusty was so riled up. But, yeah, if I had to bet, he's, he's throwing at him. I think he is too. I mean, I, I can't be sure of it because that was it was not low. a slider. It was not a slider, back foot slider. That wasn't spin. That was a fastball that you throw yeah. that's going to be very difficult he, to get out of the way. Here's what I would say. If he, he's a lefty, Valdez is, right? And Caballero yes. is a righty. So generally, lefties don't hit righties unless it's on purpose. If it had been up high, I would say 100% that's on purpose. Lefties don't miss high and right. They sometimes miss low and right. So it was the one place where I might be able to say, ah, uh, maybe he just pulled it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I mean, with everything else around it, the home run he'd just given up, the awful game he'd had, yep. the fact that they were still mad at Caballero from the last time they'd played here in Seattle. The fact that the big bad bully's getting punched That's in the right. face. All of it just felt like a bunch of whiny crybabies, and Dusty is the lead member of that troop. Just awful to watch. Um, what do you think Julio was doing? Yeah. What was that? I'd like to not see that. Julio, don't hug anymore. Just go away and maybe they'll fight. Maybe they won't. Don't be in the middle of it. Just leave it all alone. Uh, yeah, I, I think Julio knew as hot as he was going. Like, I am not going to get in here and throw a punch. I And, and I don't want I don't a want to throw a punch, but just stay away. Or anybody else. So let me just be, you know, the, the lovable guy and put my arms around my 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 home, you know, Buddy, they're my homeboy from the DR and try to calm him down a little bit. Yeah, this was not the time for a fight. A year ago plus in Anaheim, that was a time for a brawl. This was not. And yeah, it was it was it was a little much though. I'm kind of with you. Like, yeah, just, just let them fight. If they're going to fight, fight, and you don't want to be anywhere near the whole thing. Just, or just kind of stand in front of his face or just kind of put your hand in his chest or just kind of back lot, him up. a lot of people saying, Chelan Muni, no thank you. Absolutely Ooh, not. That course is brutal. Bunch of tabletop green, no thank you. <laughs> Never going back to that course ever again. Instead, I'm going to ask you a bunch of football questions. <laughs> this is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! 
We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. What did you see with the run defense on Saturday night? Was is it was it as problematic as it looked? No, I mean it was a it was a pretty limited supply. I'm going to put on my Ebenezer's here for you because I can only imagine if Tony Dungy was leading the meeting today and no practice today. Uh, they'll be back on the practice field tomorrow. Players aren't around there today. And, and maybe a chance for, frankly, the front office and the coaches to, to hang out a little bit more today and, and talk about some of these things. But this was, uh, this was one of those perception realities that Tony Dungy would put up on the board. And he would say, guys, they say we can't stop the run. They we're a bad run defense. Here's the reality. Dallas had three runs, Salk. Now, granted, by three different running backs, including Deuce's touchdown, that was maybe the most impressive. But they had three different running backs that totaled 41 yards on three carries. There was like an 18, a 14, and a 9. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those three carries, you gave up 41 yards. Those same three running backs had 21 other rushes that you gave up 43 yards. Mm. Two yards a carry. That That's winning football. <laughs> that's a lot of what Dre was talking about of three yards or less. Now, granted... Some of those were against your ones, and some of them were on a 17-play drive that that was a work of art. That was a Pete Carroll-like drive right there now. You know, that was an eight-minute, 17-play touchdown drive, third-down conversion, third-down conversion, fourth-down conversion. But I think ultimately, yeah, there were two or three that got out. I think I would have liked to have seen 54 in there before I'm going to put total judgment on that front seven run defense. But by and large, over the other number of carries, less than 100 yards, less than 90 yards on the day again, certainly tightened it up when they needed to. All right, question number two. I know we spent a long time talking about various scheme changes and possibilities. Have you seen any real scheme change? Well, I think the aggressive meter and, and gas pedal has been stepped on by Clint Hurt. And it was fun. We were texting during the game Saturday night. And and when you hear a defensive perspective, and such a strong one from Mike Bennett. You know, there's not many guys. There used to be a guy in our era, Salk. Remember Bill Moss? No. Like M-A-A-S. He's an old D lineman and commentator. No. And he, oh, really? Uh, and he would do, I'm pretty sure it was Bill. Uh, he would do games, and you would get kind of a, a D-line perspective, or or Deerdorf would kind of give you a different optics. Chris Spielman, when mm-hmm. he called games, gave you optics of the game through a linebacker's eyes. It's very different than a lot of the coaches and QBs that, that call many of these games. Bennett kind of gave you a window into a front seven and a defensive mindset, and he and... Uh, Mike Rob both said time and again, look how aggressive Clint is. Look how aggressive he is. Look how aggressive he is. You know, Mike Jackson coverage all those times one-on-one because there's pressure coming. You know, and it used to be, hey, man, preseason, we're going to be vanilla. Right. We're not going to bring much. We're not game planning. We're going to let the other team and certainly backup quarterbacks and third-string linemen just try to protect against four. But, no, this is a – I think this is a mindset that Pete and Clint want to be very clear. <laughs> we're going to be aggressive. In fact, you love that sound from Clint Hurt. Not this offseason, but the offseason before, where he said it's a it's a different sheriff in town, and I'm going to be aggressive, and we're going to be aggressive. I think we all just like the fact that he said the uh, defensive ends were going to be rushing the passer rather than dropping in a coverage. Correct. Well, this has been more than DNs rushing. This has been linebackers. This has been nickelbacks. This has been a whole lot of pressure calls. 
And I think, A, that's a mindset. And, B, it also exposes and tests some of your man-to-man coverage and where you're at in that evaluation as well. All right, question number three. You, know, you and I didn't necessarily see eye-to-eye and after week one about Drew Locke. I know you were pretty impressed. I was not as impressed. Pretty hard to argue he wasn't great, though, on Saturday night. I thought he was really good. What made him so? I think of his six pass attempts, five or play action. And, and once again, it's something Mike Bennett said. I hate playing the Rams because everything is play pass, right? <laughs> they run and then they play pass. I hate playing the Rams. You know why? Because everything's a play pass. You know, the guys want to pin their ears back and they want to go. And they don't want to deal with play action. And go look at Stafford. Go look at the turn that he made from Detroit and playing in a drop back system and a gunslinger and lots of interceptions and high volume versus, no, let me play a McVay system where there's runs where there is play action, where there's a guy named Cooper Cup on third downs that I can get into rhythm with. And, yeah, I think maybe all six, frankly, as I'm trying to think, it was only six pass attempts. But I think almost every one of them was off play pass. A, he's super comfortable at it. B, you see his athleticism. And and then C, it just cleans the picture up. You're not dropping back and having to full field read. You know, mm-hmm. many times it's just, hey, I'm going to clean this picture up and you're going to progress one, two, and maybe a little bit of movement and one, two. And 1-2 was open, and he delivered, and that ball to Jackson was a thing of beauty as well. All right, there you go. That is today's Blue 88. We're going to have a lot of football conversation in the 8 o'clock hour today. So uh, coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll give you our number five most intriguing. We're on to the top five, which is certainly exciting. And then uh, at 8.30, a full set of takeaways from the game on Saturday before jumping back to some baseball in the 9 o'clock hour in Cal Raleigh. The catcher, mm. the big dumper, mm. going to join us at uh, at 9.30 this morning. A couple of texts coming in. Uh, about all the various yeah. Mariners. Uh, Moonies? Uh, yeah, Moonies. Yeah, there's a lot of people saying, uh, what's the one in Spokane? Why are you scared of Shalam? Why are you scared of Shalam, bro? Because I think I shot like an 140 there. And then like. Test your game. Two days later, shot like an 87 at Chambers. Yeah. Like, Test your game. ridiculous. Small little greens. Indian dude. Canyon. That's the one in Spokane. It's supposed to be great. I've not all played right. there, but I hear it's awesome. Okay. Uh, other text. Can't you argue that Kelnick's level of intensity hurts the team chemistry that is more laid back, even mm. if his work ethic is respected? You can argue that, but I think you have to have some evidence. Like you have to under you have to know well, that. Like if you're going to call a guy out for that and say that his personality is detrimental, you got to know that in some way. It can't just be like you are worried about it because you watch him be well, intense in the in the club or in the dugout. People are screaming right at you right now from the Bellevue Mooney, Mooney listening, uh, Muni listening and saying, "Salt evidence? What's the record? What's the record? Well, you want that evidence? That's not evidence of chemistry, is it?" <laughs> No. Okay. But it's the least evidence. I do think there could be something to it. Like, again, I'm not opposed to the idea that Kelnick being out has changed their season in some way. Is he, the only, is he the only one that's like that? Is he the only one that is wired with that? He has kind? to be. Yeah, he's the only one I've ever seen do it in the in the dugout. So he has to be the only one who's ever broken anything. No, but I'm trying to think. Is he uh, I'm dead serious? Like much no. of the personalities to that texture, much of the personalities, no. Eugenio and Teo and Julio are pretty laid back. Who else is intense and on that? Tom Murphy. Did Julio look laid back after he popped up the first pitch yesterday? Did Teo look laid back when he was screaming at the umpire after a bad call? No. I mean, like, yeah, they're laid back just sort of hanging out, but I don't know that they're always laid back. Tom Murphy, mm-hmm. uh, distinctly not laid back. Like, I, I, I just, yeah. I, I think it. I think you got to be real careful assuming personality when it comes to players. Yeah. And my experience around Kelnick, yes, he is intense. There's no doubt. 
but he's a bright kid. He's not he's yeah. not the broy jerk that I think people turn him into being. He's just not that guy. Yep. So whole lot more thoughtful. But you don't have to assume about Salk's golf game. It is not a he's got a little flatter swing. So hitting those greens at Chilean is not a good deal for his game. It's not he's good more for anybody's game. Yeah, he's more Rob. of a chambers guy. He's more of a hit and run guy. I do like a I do like a nice links course. Yes, when, when in doubt, go links. That's generally my strategy. All right, let's talk a whole bunch of football before coming back to uh, the Mariners at nine o'clock. Coming up next, we are on to the top five of our most intriguing Seahawks, and I will say there is an argument to be made for this player being number one on the list. He falls to five, but he could easily be number one. Stick around; you'll find out who it is next.